You may be seated. How many of you are excited this morning to be in the house of God here at Dominion Church? Come on. I'm bringing a new series this morning, and I'll be honest with you, it'll be one that I will be in for weeks. I don't have any end in sight, no pun intended. I was just young and freshly saved, and really seeking the Lord with all my heart. And I'll never forget the time that I was standing in the shower, which is the place that God seems to speak to me the most. And I think it's because my wife and my three kids are nowhere around. My cell phone is nowhere around. And it's in a place where there's no distractions. And God spoke to me this one time I'll never forget. I was standing in the shower and he just spoke a word. He said, eschatology. I've never heard that word before. I wasn't raised in the church. My daddy wasn't a preacher. I have no preachers in my family bloodline. I'm, not a, I'm a first generation preacher of the gospel. Come on, to God be the glory. And so I really wasn't raised church. You know, I was raised like some of you, streets, clubs, whatever you want to say, raised you. And, uh, but it's amazing because the Bible said, that my sheep know my voice. And when I heard that voice when I was standing there in the shower on that, in that day, that was probably 16 years ago, God said to me, eschatology. And I knew in that one word that that was something that I was supposed to study and research. That was back really before smartphones, y'all. That was back when you had like these weird looking try to be smartphones. They were like called blueberries and blackberries. Y'all remember what I'm talking about? Okay. And so I get out the shower and I type the word eschatology and I didn't even know how to spell it, right? So I, who, God only knows how I spelt it. Um, I spelled it like it sounded, but Google's smarter than me and knew what I was trying to say. And it said eschatology, the study of end times events. And I knew then that God was calling me into the revelation of understanding the times and the season of the end times. And over the last 15 years, this is something that I will indulge upon multiple times in, in my ministry throughout every year I seem to come and have a time of where we talk about with the end in mind. But I want you to understand something. Jobs are worked with the end in mind. Watch this. Houses are built with the end in mind. All the football games that were played yesterday and Friday night were played with the end in mind. But why is it that in the church we don't want to talk about the end in mind? Why is it that we don't hear sermons preached about the end in mind? Because if the real truth be told, all of us are living with the end in mind, whether we like it or not. And I want you to understand my heart in this series is not to scare you. Here's the truth. If you get scared in this series, it's because you ain't right with God. <laughs> that, that's the proof pudding. Like, if you're scared 
When this is over with, it's because you're not where you need to be with the Lord. And praise God for fear that Job said that he would use to draw you to him. Fear is a work of the Spirit sometimes. He'll allow that fear to get things in your heart. And you'll be like, man, i got to get rid of some stuff. And so over the next, I don't even know couple weeks, several weeks, I want to talk to you about things with the end times. I want to talk to you because I'm confident. And it seems like every year that I'll preach and indulge into this series or begin to talk about this, I'm like, man, I'm telling you, there is so much stuff this year that confirms that the end is in mind. But then the next year, I'm always like, no, there's so much more. And what I'm telling you is it is intensifying. So over the next several weeks, we'll look at things like the end times, we'll look at things like the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, the tribulation, the rapture of the church. We'll talk about aliens and UFOs. We'll talk about the new world order, the one world government, the reason why we're moving towards a cashless society. Y'all, I want you to understand something. Every bit of it is in this book. And my God, you can't tell me that this is not the Word of God. You can't tell me that this is not God's Word alive. Because thousands of years ago, even beyond two thousands of years ago, we're going to hear from Isaiah today. We're going to look at other prophets of thousands and thousands of years ago. We're going to talk to Prophet Daniel today. And we're going to hear about how he was talking about what we are seeing. Did you know that airplanes are in the Bible? Did you know that automobiles are in the Bible? Come on, somebody. Oh, yeah. So you got to dive in this thing. I got your attention now. This morning, I felt that it would only be fitting if I would talk to you about the 10 signs of the time. I want you to understand something. Matthew 24, we're going to go there this morning in our text that tells us that no man knows the day nor the hour. Matthew 24 and 36. It says, but of that day, everyone say that day. And the hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So Jesus is talking, he's talking about on this Matthew 24, if you want to study the end times, there is such a prophetic utterance of the end times in Matthew 24. You can take that chapter, you can begin to indulge in it, and you can begin to eat of it, you can begin to taste it. Go home and read Matthew 24. If you really want to know end times, it will break down the end times because it's in this moment on Matthew 24 that the disciples come to Jesus and they, they begin to ask him, they say, Master, tell us when will these things be? When is the coming of your kingdom? When is the rule and the reign of you when will the end of this age be in the new age that you're that you're bringing when will it come and Jesus begins to break down in Matthew 24 but he tells these people in Matthew 24 36 he says but of that day no one knows the day nor the hour so I want you to understand something I'm not standing here telling you when the day or the hour will be but I am absolutely standing here as a man of God to tell you that we are in the season and I can prove to you scripturally, Jesus even said that we would be able to look at the season. He said, you can look at the sky and see that when it's pink at night, that, that in the morning it will be, be good for sailors. And you can see pink in the morning and know that it, 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 sailors take warning. He, he was talking about you can look at se seasons in the sky and you can determine things. But how come you can't see the things in the spirit? How come you can't determine that we're living in a day? Do y'all know that now you can walk into grocery stores and you can use your palm to pay for your groceries? Y'all, if you don't think this ain't setting up this stage y'all quiet y'all quiet y'all real quiet I'm sorry I went too deep too quick but let me be honest the church doesn't preach this enough 
And because the church doesn't preach this enough, we have people that profess Christian but then live like the devil. We have people that say one thing but yet live another way. And then the Bible said, I would rather you be hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you from my mouth. The church needs to get back into the revelation of living with the end in mind. The old saints lived under such a conviction of the Lord's return. They thought it could have been at any moment. They swore that at any day he was coming. But so much so, they, 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 they had it was part of their vocabulary. When they saw one another as believers, they didn't say good morning. At night, when they laid in bed, they didn't say good night. They said these words, Maranatha. That, that word Maranatha literally means come Lord Jesus. In other words, when they got up in the morning, they looked at their wife, they looked at their husband, they said, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. When they laid down at night to go to bed, they said, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. They lived with the end in mind. And the reason why the church back in those days had power, because I believe they were living with the end in mind. Nowadays, it's like, you know, it's nothing for preachers just to like embezzle millions of dollars and run off, you know, down to the Bahamas. Come on, somebody. Let's talk about this stuff. See, it's the reality because people don't live with the fear of God and the end in mind. They don't live with the end in mind. So today I want to give you, some, I want to give you 10 signs that the end is near and that I truly believe that we're living in the end times. But hear me, hear me, and hear me well. I'm not sharing this with you to scare you. It would be as a, my, my mama when I was a little boy. She would look at me before I went to school and she'd say, Son, it's cold today make sure you put on a coat come on somebody it would be as if you know it, it's gonna rain today make sure you take an umbrella with you what I am telling you today is not to scare you it is to prepare you it is to tell you of the times and the seasons in which we're living in so I, I want to jump into this in the first sign if you're taking notes is this the first sign is the very thing that we will combat even in a series like this. The first sign is the prophecy of scoffers being fulfilled. 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 3 and 4. You ready? Let's dive into the word of God. It says knowing this first. Everyone say first. So we know that one of the first signs of the ends of the time that we are living is, is in this. That scoffers will come in the last days. Everyone say last days. And they will be walking in the accordance of their own lust, watch this, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Second Peter is telling us that in the last days, one of the first things you will see is people that first walk after their own lust. Come on, somebody. If you don't think we ain't living in a day where people live after their own lust, it's me and my world. It's what I want. I want it this way. I want it now. I want the very fact that, that, that we are living in a generation that is lusting after itself. We care about ourselves. What are you talking about? I'm talking about people that walk by people that are homeless and they'll walk right by and not care nothing about them. I'm talking about people that will drive by people that are broke down on the side of the road. And come on, somebody. They care about them and where they're going, but they don't care about nobody else. We're consumed with our own lust. We're in love with ourselves. And the Bible said that those people would be the very ones that would begin, to, would begin to scoff at the idea of Jesus even coming back. Where is this coming of him? Whatever. They've been saying that for thousands of years, and he hasn't come yet. 
That is the verbiage, the talk of this generation. Even, even you go talk to high school kids now. You talk to kids in middle school. You talk to them and they laugh. They joke over the idea of Jesus. Some pie in the sky. Some fairy tale story. But I want you to know that the story is true. It's redemptive. And every scoffer's knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The very fact that people are scoffing at his second coming is proof positive he's coming back. The very fact that they mock, they laugh, they make jokes about Jesus and his second coming is the very proof positive indeed he is coming back. The second uh, thing I want you to know, Hebrews 9 and 28 said this, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. Everyone say a second time. Jesus indeed is coming back, but I want you to understand this. It says to those who eagerly wait for him, him, he will appear a second time. Understand this. Jesus is coming back for those that are looking for him. Did you catch it? Scoffers are trying to deny him, but those that are devoted to him, Jesus said, those are the ones. The ones that are living with the idea of Christ's return are the ones that Jesus is coming back. He will appear a second time, but for those who are eagerly waiting for him, eagerly waiting for him. Isaiah prophesied. This next thing, the second thing, the second thing that I want to tell you, the second sign of the time, you ready, is this, was the rebirth of Israel as a nation. May 14, 1948, the, the nation of Israel became a nation again. But I want you to understand something. That Israel becoming a nation, if y'all can't show them the, um, the news article that I sent you. There, Israel reborn after 2,000 years. I want you to understand something. Y'all, this was a major prophetic timetable stamp. Uh, and we're going to get to it in a minute in Matthew 24 so that we understand the significance of it. But when this happened on May 14, 1948, what happened was everything prophetically on the timetable shifted dramatically fast forward. It's like God reached down on the old VCR and he mashed the fast forward button. And this time clock is spinning rapidly fast forward now because there were things that could not happen. There, were, there was even doctrines that were developed uh, uh, um, called replacement theory where, where before 1948 the church was preaching because the Jews were scattered that we were the new Jews that we were the new but let me tell you something the Jews are still God's chosen people Israel is still his chosen nation he said I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those that curse you and what we found out in May 14 1948 when Israel became a nation God's people had a homeland again and when they had a homeland again now we could begin to see the fulfillment of end times because the Bible tells us that in the last days all the nations of the earth will gather together to make war against Israel if Israel didn't have a home then this prophecy did not make sense do you hear what I'm teaching this morning so Isaiah 66 in verse 8 prophesied this happening when he said he said who has ever seen anything as strange as this who has ever heard of such a thing has a nation ever been born in a single day? Woo. 
My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Has a country ever come forth in a mere moment, but by the time Jerusalem birth pains begin, her children will be born. I want you to understand when Israel became a nation, again, what happened is in one single day, in one single day, the the nation of Israel was born. By 4 p.m. that day, they stood on the podium and they pronounced Israel as a nation again. When that happened, the prophetic timetable said check Matthew 24 let me show you what I'm talking about verse 32 and verse 32 says now learn the parable of the fig tree it says when his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves ye know that the summer is nigh he's talking about discerning of seasons so likewise when ye shall see these things know that it is near even at the door. Somebody say he's talking about the end. Verily I say to you that this generation shall not pass away till these things are fulfilled. Now watch. You have to understand something. You, and you can study this. I don't have all the time to break down every one of these ten points. But if you will study the Bible, you will find that, that Israel is represented by the fig tree. It is a prophetic symbolism throughout Scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept. It's hermeneutically balanced to understand that Israel is represented by the fig tree. So when Jesus is speaking to his disciples in Matthew 24, and he begins to tell them, he said, when you see the fig tree bear its leaves, when what you thought was dead starts to live again, He said, now learn the parable that when this thing starts to put forth leaves, May 14th, 1948, go to the next verse in verse 33. Watch this. He says, so likewise, when you shall see these signs, know that the end is near. How near, Jesus? How near? Verse 34. He said that this generation, what generation? The generation that saw Israel become a nation will by no means pass away until these things are all fulfilled. The return of the Lord will happen within the generational span of Israel becoming a nation again. Here, let me do the math for you. May 14th, 1948. Do you understand that it is clear biblically that man is promised basically 70 years? Y'all know your Bible? A man is promised 70 years. So what we find right now is that we are what we live in in the age of dispensation of grace. And we have lived beyond the 70 years. But I'm telling you right now, that there's not very many people that you will meet that will be 75. There's very little people that you meet will be 80. There's, there's a minuscule amount that will be in their 90s. And there is a tremendous low amount that reach over the age of 100 years old. What am I telling you? God who is long-suffering, God who is merciful, is extending... I believe the age of a generation because he it's not his will that any should perish but that all should come to the knowledge and repentance of who Jesus Christ is so we find the signs of the time the Israel being rebirthed as a nation was a major thing the third thing that I want to tell you how do you know the signs how do you, how can you stand and preach in a church that that we're in the end times how do you know that the end is near simply because of what we find in Matthew 24 verse 3 Matthew 24 and verse 3 says this, And he sat on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming, and at the end of the age. Verse 4, And Jesus answered them and said, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. If you're taking notes, the third point of knowing that we are in the end times is there will be a rise of false teachers. 
I'm going I'm to shock the corn this morning, as the old preachers say. Y'all ready? Do you know that today you can go to Christian fellows uh, or, or fellowships, excuse me. I'm using big quotations here. You can go to Christian fellowships. And you can pay $5, you can pay $10, and they have these things called spirit cards. And basically they look just like tarot cards. And you'll sit down with a prophet and they'll tell you about your future. Let me tell you something, the devil is a liar. Let me tell you something, we live in a day, we live in an age where people are going around and they're preaching and they're telling you there's more than one way. They're telling you you can call on Mohammed, that you can call on Gandhi. I came to tell you there ain't but one name, the only name. His name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. We live in a day of false teachers. Let me tell you something. You better go home and read your Bible. You can't take everything and anything as fruit anymore. We got all this garbage on YouTube. Come on, so oh, I'm, I'm coming this morning. I said, we got all, come on, somebody. We got doctrines of devils. Come on, somebody. And the church is engulfing herself in it. She's eating of it. She's tasting of it and calling it truth. The Bible said in John 17, 17, they shall know your truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is the truth. Let me tell you something right now. The Bible is the only truth. Let everything else be a lie, but the Bible is the only truth. You want real truth? You want your truth? You got to get in the Word. The Bible is the only truth. And anything to tell you any different than that is simply a doctrine of the devil. Don't worry, I'll come for your book of Enoch and all this other garbage mess too. Oh, y'all real quiet. You better study this junk you're ingesting. You better be careful under what teachers you sit. Let me tell you something. Don't just stand under some man that preaches the name Jesus and not study the scriptures to know if he is approved. Do not sit and take everything as truth. Not in this day, not in this hour. My God, I feel like preaching. If you don't have the owner's manual, how can you tell me how it's supposed to operate? The church, I, I'm just, just, just download stuff, hold on. The church is driving a car and the motor's knocking, but because they never knew what the check engine light meant, they just driving it and saying all systems normal. No, let me tell you something. There are doctrines of devils. There are things that the enemy is trying to creep into the church, even under people that say the name Jesus. Bring the scripture back up, gentlemen. Bring it back up in verse four. Bring it back up. For many will come, yeah, 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 verse 3, I'm sorry. Go verse 3, verse 3. Tell us what will be the signs of his comings. What will be the signs of the coming of the end of the age, verse 4. And Jesus answered and said, see that no one leads you astray, verse 5. Many will come, that's the scripture I'm looking for. Many will come in my name. Hold on, hold on, hold on, I've got to teach the church. Many will come in my name saying that I am the Christ and will lead them astray. Y'all, my God, catch this. This is Revelation right here. You ready? For a long time, the church has thought that people will come and say, I'm Jesus, follow me. 
Y'all laughed at me, right? You're like, you a dummy, bro. You ain't Jesus. That's not what the scripture's saying. Matthew 24, 5 is saying, be aware that no one deceive you. For the time is coming where many will come in my name and they will say that I am the Christ. Woo, you better hear me. There are people that will come in the name of Jesus and they will really say Jesus is Lord. Oh, y'all real quiet. They will really talk about the Jesus of the Bible. They will not deny his lordship. But the Bible said, well, you gotta be careful. It'll be those ones that lead you astray. Do you not know that your enemy masquerades himself as an angel of light? He's not coming with a pitchfork and horns. He's going to show up. He's going to look real good. He's going to be real enticing. He's going to have all the right words and all the right time. He's going to make you feel good. He's going to make you feel like you can win. And he's going to lead many astray, the Bible says. i got to hurry. i got to hurry. The fourth sign of the times that we know that we're living in the end times is simply because of wars and rumors of wars. Matthew 24, Matthew 24, verse 6 says this, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, and see that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end, everyone say the end, yeah. is not yet. Let me tell you something. When we see wars and rumors of wars and we see Russia against Ukraine and we see these things happening, we see the war on terror, terrorism, we saw Desert Storm, we saw these wars, Jesus is comforting his disciples and he's telling them, listen, you will hear of wars and rumors of war, but do not be alarmed. Don't get scared. Don't run out and buy all the bread and milk, y'all. Chill out for a second. I'll talk about the food industry in this series too if y'all really want. Come on, somebody, let's go somewhere. Man, they'll shut me down. They'll ban me on YouTube for that. Glory to God. Watch this, though. I want, I want, I want, to, I want, to, I want to identify something in this, in this context of wars and rumors of wars. I want to talk to you really quick about the rise of Russia. Because Russia is going to play a major part in end times. A major part. And the mere fact of the overreach that we saw from Russia into Ukraine is just a prophetic indicator of the rise of Russia. Watch. Hold on. I'm going to go. Don't worry, y'all. Listen. Russia's in the Bible. China's in the Bible. Even America's in the Bible. Oh, come on, somebody. Anyways, my God. Here we go. Ezekiel. Thousands of years prior to any understanding of a country named Russia begins to prophesy about this. Ezekiel 38 and verse 15 says, You will come from your homeland in the distant north. One translation says, In the furthest north, with your vast cavalry and your mighty army. And you will attack my people Israel, covering their land like a cloud. And at that time in the distant future, I will bring you against my land as everyone watches and my holiness will be displayed by what happens to you, Gog. And then all the nations will know that I am the Lord. 
I want you to understand something. There's a prophetic table that is beginning to happen. The rise of Russia, if you go and look at the map and you look at Israel, there, there is only one country that is the furthest north, and it is that of Russia. Russia, what the Bible paints a picture of is that Russia, along with the armies of the world, are going to combine together. You're going to see Russia come into coalition with China. You're going to see them overreach and come into deals with Iran. And the Bible says that the Euphrates River will dry up. And as the Euphrates River dries up, that the armies of the north will descend on Israel. Can I tell you something? That they are saying that, that the Euphrates River is almost already dried up. It has dried up at a remarkable rate in just the last couple of hundred years. Can I tell you why? Because it is the highway to the battle of Armageddon that the nations of the earth are going to descend down the Euphrates. I'm preaching. They're coming down the Euphrates River and they're going to storm against Israel. But we're going to see it as the battle of what is called Gog and Magog, the battle of Armageddon. They will meet at the valley of, uh, of, of Megiddo, the Bible says. Now I want you to understand something real quick. I got to teach this stuff. I know I'm throwing a lot of information out. Just, just do this. Just drink, drink out of the fire hose this morning. Grab what you can. Grab what you can. We got a, we got a long, long way to go and a short time to get there. But the Bible says that the armies of the north will descend on Israel. They'll come. They'll come down the Euphrates River. Euphrates River is literally drying up as we speak. Go home and study it. Look, look, look. Scientists are proving it. But do you know that uh, there was generals from all over the world? And they were taken through a, a tour of the world, basically, to find the best battlefield in all of the nations. And all these military leaders from, from all the different nations of the earth gathered because they wanted to see what would be the best battlefield in the case of, a, 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 of just an all-out, all-nation battle. They searched all over. They looked through all the different plains. They checked all the different valleys. And they all settled in one valley. A valley called the Valley of Megiddo, located right outside of Israel. And there in the Valley of Megiddo is a hill on one side, a hill on the other, and yet a valley between that they say you could put millions of, of, of men inside this valley and be able to hold a world stage battle. And I came to tell you that if you'll read your Bible, the Bible says that in the last days, the armies of the world will gather on one side, and on the, on the other side will come Israel, and there will be a battle but he will descend from heaven with a shout and the Bible said that he will lay war against the nations of the earth and the blood will be to the horse's bridle it'll be like a battle that's never been seen before but do you know that these military leaders have indeed confirmed that the greatest place of battle is the valley of Megiddo the very place where the Bible says the battle of Armageddon will happen Y'all, you can't make this stuff up. You're not just living for Jesus in a fairy tale world. This is real stuff. This is true stuff. This is the stuff and the revelation that the church needs to hear because God hasn't missed it. Ezekiel, or excuse me, Daniel 11 and 16. Daniel also prophesied this about Russia and the nations coming against Israel. He said in Daniel 11 and 16, he said, The king of the north will march onward unopposed and none will be able to stop him and he will pause in the glorious land of Israel with the intent on destroying it. That will happen. And the road in which the armies will march on is literally being made right now in your generation. In your generation. The fifth sign, the fifth sign. I gotta hurry. I got 20 minutes and five more to go. Y'all say preach on, preacher. Is this okay? This good stuff? All right. 
I think only a couple of them got scared and went to the bathroom. I see a couple more chairs available for you that are standing against the wall. They made room for you. Come on in. Sit on down. Hallelujah. The fifth sign, the fifth sign of the end of the age is famine, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. Matthew 24 and verse 7. If you're taking notes, write that down. Famine, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Y'all, that scripture really didn't used to make that much sense because of the fact that, you know, earthquakes happen. But what we've seen lately, come on somebody, let me talk to the South Carolinians. What we're finding now is on the seismic code that even South Carolina, particularly out of Kershaw and Lancaster, there is, a, there is a fault line that is running. Do you know that people in Hartsville and Darlington and Florence, South Carolina, have felt the tremors of earthquakes? Something that didn't happen 50 years ago. Something that didn't happen 40 years ago. But because Matthew 24 has to be fulfilled, that there will be earthquakes in various places. He said, that's right society heal you're gonna feel the tremblings of the earth because my coming is soon do you know that on the seismic code just even a couple of years ago that, that, that there was reported over 50,000 earthquakes 50,000 tremblings and tremors in the earth why because I believe every shaking I believe every rattling I believe every knock is the Lord saying get ready church get ready church every time there's a shaking every time the walls rattle in California it's the Lord saying get ready church every time the walls shake in Camden South Carolina it's the Lord saying get ready church don't even let me go into the pestilence and famine. Come on, somebody. Oh, my God. This is the kind of stuff. I'm if I get locked up, who's bailing me out? I just need to show of hands. Thank you. Glory to God. I'm going in, bro. I'm going in. I'm going in. <laughs> if I get assassinated, y'all just raise up another preacher, all right? God's got him. Just know I'm with the Lord. Do you know China has crept in and purchased 400,000 acres of farmland in America? <laughs> Why? Because I believe the world stage is being set. Do you know that they're already talking about another COVID outbreak? Do you know that COVID was a biblical fulfillment of, of Matthew 24, that there would be pestilence and famines and earthquakes in diverse places? When we saw the world stage be shut down by COVID-19, what we saw was the implementation of something to a generation that thought they would never face it. You look back in the, in the early 20s and they had, a, what was it, black lung? The, the, the black, yeah? Yeah, y'all, whatever, y'all name and stuff, you know what I'm talking about. But we lived in a generation that we didn't think we would ever have to deal with it. And then all of a sudden, in March of 2020, y'all were stuck in your house looking at your wife and your husband who you didn't know if you loved anymore <laughs> for a whole year. And you couldn't go to jobs. You couldn't go. Come on, somebody. 
Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? That that was an indicator of the times and the season. Let me tell you something. I believe COVID-19 was the grace of God. I believe it was God saying to a generation who thinks you're untouchable, to a generation who's not preparing, to a generation who's just living and drinking it up, you better get ready. You better get ready. You better get ready. I'm telling you, watch and see, watch and see. There'll be things that, that happen even over the next few years. There'll be things that happen. If there is no reason why China should be in America buying 400,000 acres of farmland unless they want to make us dependent on them. Yeah. Yeah. Real quiet in the house of the Lord. Y'all think I'm crazy because I'm a chicken farmer. Y'all say that until you stand at my house asking for chicken when China's got your chicken in a chokehold. <laughs> I'm going to say, look what the Lord has done. <laughs> y'all crazy, y'all crazy. Number six, we got to hurry, we got to hurry, we got to hurry. <sighs> Much more serious. The sixth sign of the end times is that there will be a rise in Christian persecution. When I used to preach along these lines five years ago, ten years ago, I'll tell you, I had no clue to the measure of how quickly Christian persecution would arrive in America within ten years. If you don't think that the church ain't under persecution in this day, you watch and see. You watch and see. You ask the media team. This video will get flagged as hate speech. Come on, somebody, let me just really tell the truth one time. And for all you people that at home that can't be here, don't worry. There's coming a day the government will take the Internet, and you'll have to show back up to church too. <laughs> but if you don't think that America, right, you, 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 in God we trust, the land of the free, the home of the brave. If you don't think that our country is not in the midst of setting the stage of Christian persecution, do you understand? Let's go back to COVID and talk about it real quick. Do you understand that there was a fight, an all-out war in, in regards to the, uh, whether the church could stay open, whether it was essential or non-essential? Can I tell you that was a government overreach to try to, oh, come on, somebody. Do you know that there is a a law called separation of church and state and it was not for the church to not be able to go into government it was so government couldn't come into the y'all say I can't pray in school because it's a separation of church and state nah you better go back and understand it. that law was not written against you that law was written to protect you that the government cannot the government cannot overreach into the church do you know in, in, in Canada, churches were shut down. Pastors were dragged out of their homes for having services. I watched as a pastor who wasn't just a pastor but a father of five stood on his doorstep with the police that dragged him out of his house as his children held onto his legs screaming and crying because their daddy was getting locked up for preaching the gospel. <laughs> Y'all, that wasn't 100 years ago. That was, that was six months ago. And if you don't think that it ain't coming to America, you're already easily mistaken. 
the, the Bible is clear that in the last days, let me go to the scripture, that in the last days, Matthew 24 and 9, they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Man, Jesus has put a whole new term to hater. How do you know? How do you know the end of the time? Here's the thing. Watch. How do you know that the end of the time? He said, because you'll be hated for my name's sake. They'll deliver you up to death. Here's the thing. Here's, here's little pansy Christianity America. And we complain because it's too hot in here. It's too crowded. I can't believe they're sitting in my seat. But you contact my friend, Evangelist Mari Daniel who's walked through the tribes of India and they've tried to remove his kneecap seven times for preaching the gospel. You talk to a man who was put in burlap clothes, soaked in gasoline, and taken out to a fire to be burned for preaching the name Jesus, and yet we got a church that complains it's too hot. We got a church that complains it's just too crowded. I came to tell you that in the last days, the Bible says you will be hated and even given up to death for the name of Jesus. Do you understand something, church? Hear me, hear me, and hear me well. He is talking to the church. For all you that think you're just waiting at a bus stop to get up out of here. Oh, it's real quiet in the house of the Lord. For this escape theology that the church is just going to get, like tomorrow we're just getting raptured out of here. We're never going to see nothing, never going to know nothing. Oh, come on. you got to come back for my rapture message. I truly believe in the rapture of the church. I believe there's going to be a snatching away. But let me tell you something. Jesus didn't miss it in Matthew 24, 9 when he said they're going to cut your head off. Oh, y'all real quiet. That was a great, great, great part two there on the back nine. Great, great. Part two. The persecution and killing of Christians, especially in the Middle East and Africa, has been on the rise. I'm connected with a ministry in Pakistan who reached out to me recently and they told me, they said, please be praying. They said, our Christian community was just attacked. They have burned our houses. They have taken men, women, and children, and they have killed the men and the children in the streets. Over a hundred people murdered, slaughtered by Islamic terrorists that came into this city and began to kill them because they would not deny the name Jesus. Church, can I tell you something? That is not something that's coming. That is not something that happened hundreds of years ago. That is something that has happened in 2023. Wake up. The end is near. The, the coming of the Lord is upon us. We have to realize and quit rationalizing the time in which we're living in. Seven. You ready? Seven. 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 The number seven. The great falling away is the seventh sign of the end times that we are living in. How do we know that the end is here? Because of the great falling away. Matthew 24 and verse 10. Watch this. Then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. When I was studying for this message, I really wanted to expound on the idea of just the falling away. But as I began to study it, God really began to prick my heart. And he said, he asked me these questions. He said, he said look, at the, the, look at the amount of hate in the world. How do you know that the end is near? I'll tell you why. Because people hate you just because they want to hate you. 
People hate people because of their skin color. People hate you because of where you go to church. People hate you because of the clothes you wear. People hate you. Come on, somebody. People will hate you just to hate you. There is an explosion of a spirit of hatred in the earth. How can you say that the end is near? Because there's an explosion of hatred. There's kids killing their parents, parents killing their children. Come on, somebody. Let's have real church. Let's talk about real issues. Let's look where we really are. And so we realize in this moment that there's an explosion of hate and there's betrayal on the rampant. But watch this. It says, and then there'll be a great falling away. And I don't want to expound on it too much because I'm going to be honest with you. I have an idea of what's really going to cause a great falling away. Here, I'll go ahead and share it with you. I believe one of the greatest things that's going to cause a massive falling away in the church is the doctrine of what so many have preached, exactly what I just talked about, about this big snatching away that's going to happen before it ever gets any worse. You want to see a falling away in the church? Let me tell you how it's going to happen. Everybody that has lived their whole life thinking, oh, praise God, Jesus is coming back to get me, and I'm not going to have to face any trial. I'm not going to have to face any. It's okay. I understand some of you get upset. Listen, that's not a salvation issue, whether you're pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, rapture. That's not a salvation issue. The point is, is Jesus is coming back, okay? We can all agree on that. But I am telling you that there is a lukewarmness that is settled in the church because they simply believe they're sitting at a bus stop and Jesus is just going to come by and pick them up before anything gets any worse. Let me tell you something what will cause a great falling away. You let a whole generation be told that before things get bad, they're getting out of here. And what they will do is they will live their life in accordance just looking to the sky looking to the sky looking to the sky and waiting and then the next thing you know when somebody is standing before them with a machete in their hand and saying deny Christ or die they're going to be like I, I don't want nothing to do with Jesus he didn't come back like he said he was And you will see a massive falling away because people believed in a doctrine that they were just going to escape out of here before things ever got really bad let me tell you something. It's already bad. It's a, and it's going to only get a whole lot worse. And the church has to be ready. I lost some of my amens. That's okay. Come back next week. I'm preaching on the rapture. I believe in the rapture of the church. I absolutely do. The Bible tells me about it. But I think we got these pansy Christians that just think they ain't going to go through nothing. And I look at guys like Jeremiah who were boiled in oil. And I look at guys like Peter, James, and John that, that were dragged down the street. I looked at men that were hung between their legs by the ceiling and they were sawed in half from the crotch to the head. I look at men like John who was exiled on the island of Patmos after he was boiled in oil and didn't die. I look at these men that went through things for the name and the cause of Christ. And I look at a church that's got no cost in this thing. I'm just waiting on the bus. He's coming. He is coming. But it's going to get a whole lot worse before he does. Don't worry. I'm, I'm going to prove it all scripturally. Don't, before you get mad, email me and text me. You just show up next week. Let me run through this series, and then let's see what the Word of God says, because all I'm going to preach is the Bible. Don't worry. Hallelujah. Getting real quiet in the house of the Lord. The great falling away. Let me tell you this, though. Did you know that less than 20% of Americans, and I know this sounds funny saying this here today, but less than 20% of Americans regularly attend church. Less than 20% 
of Americans regularly attend church. Did you know that the church is growing at one quarter of the rate of population? So in other words, as population is increasing, the church is coming three quarters of the mile down the road. What am I telling you? There is coming a day where there will not be enough churches. There will not be enough preachers. Even if, more pe even if the only 20% wanted to go to church, there will not be churches for them. Okay, y'all get, get, get quiet, y'all get quiet. Telling you that I believe we're seeing the signs already of a great falling away. Number eight, the eighth sign of the time is that there will be a love of sin and a lack of love for God. Matthew 24 and 12, let's go to the Bible, let's see what it says. And because iniquity, what is iniquity? Sin. Because sin shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Shall wax cold, I want you to catch that part, shall wax cold. Do you understand the idea of waxing cold? Take a candle. And if you, bur if you burn that candle, that wax that's in there, becomes, it becomes liquefied, right? You know, y'all were kids, you stuck your finger in it like I did, and you've seen it applied to your fingers. But do you know, do you know that, that if, 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 if you allow that fire to go out, all of a sudden that liquid wax gets cold. And when it gets cold, it gets hard. And the Bible said in Matthew 24 that in the last days, basically what was liquid, what was pliable, what was movable, what was felt by the fire, because of the love of sin it will wax cold it will get hard if you don't think people ain't getting hard in the church getting hard towards one another getting hard towards the love of God what used to be soft what used to be moldable what used to be pliable has now become hard why? because we love sin rather than loving God because the love of sin because of the love of sin the love of many Show wax cold. <clears throat> it's evident that if we look around our world, that men are more in love with the world than they are the word. It's evident that if we look around our world, that men are more in love with themselves than they are with God. If you don't think iniquity is not abounding, me and my wife were laying in bed last night trying to catch the last bit of some college football. And a McDonald's commercial came up. And there was two men, gray hair, sitting at the table. And there was one French fry left on the table. And they said something like, real love, let's the other go first or whatever. But the picture that it was portraying was two senior adult men that were in love with one another. Listen to me. I grew up in a day when I was just a kid, I used to lay, lay, lay on the couch with my mom and she watched her soap operas. Do you know nowadays you turn on that filth and that crap and there, there's, come on, there's men kissing in the shower. Come on, somebody. Do you know that my nine, eight, and seven-year-old children, they all know what gay is I, and they told me what it is? Come on, somebody. If you don't think the enemy is not after our children, if you don't think that there is not an agenda towards our children and toward our, our families and towards our marriages and towards our homes, if you don't realize that you have an adversary that's walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, there is a love of sin in our world and in our nation. And the true church needs to stand up and speak up.
The number nine. I'm almost done. Number nine. How do you know that the end is near? Is because there will be an increase of knowledge. Daniel prophesied it in Daniel 12, verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even the time of the end. The time of the what? Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. That word there literally, knowledge increased, literally translates there shall be an explosion of knowledge. Now hear me. Understand that from the Garden of Eden up until the 1900s, that the means of transportation was a horse. Do you understand that? Hold on, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you something that we have absolutely lived through a knowledge explosion already. That when the end is coming, there will be a knowledge explosion. People will go to and fro. He's ta- and the Bible goes on to talk about they'll move quickly through the earth. Okay? We're, 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 you, you get that. We're, we'll we're going to go on here. But watch this. You have to understand that if from the Garden of Eden to the 1900s, the means of transportation was a horse. And then all of a sudden, in the early 1900s, it came an automobile, then the locomotive, and now the plane. Now in 12 hours, I can fly from one side of the world to the other. Now consider the Garden of Eden. From the, from the Garden of Eden until the 1900s, the only element of light was a torch. Electricity was created. There was no form of light but that of a torch. And then the explosion. For thousands of years, the torch was used. But now the light bulb comes to the scene. And then the laser. And now even, now even, even uh, 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 there's, there's uh, solar lights. There's the, the, the idea of information, the idea of, of education, the di- idea of knowledge exploding in the realm of the earth. Up until just the night, 120 years ago, we were getting around on horse. But now I can get on a plane, and there's a plane they just created that flies 2,200 miles per hour. It's the fastest plane ever created. What am I telling you? I'm telling you that there is a knowledge explosion. It's the idea of what took thousands of years, all of a sudden within the last 100 years, has come to pass. How do you know that the end is here? Because of the knowledge explosion. I want you to understand this. Think of it even like this, Uh, uh, even with communication. From the Garden of Eden to the 1900s, smoke signals and shiny objects were used to communicate. But in the 1900s, there, there became the idea of the, of the telegrams and the, um, um, what's the, the, the telegraphs, telegrams, crank phones. Then we moved to rotary phones, now to cell phones and, and faxes and pagers and computers to now where 100 years later, I can stand in, in my driveway in, in Hartsville, South Carolina, and I can FaceTime a, a minister standing in his driveway in Uganda, Africa, and it be in real time. Do you understand? The last and final sign of the times, how do you know that the end is near, was the birth of nuclear warfare. The birth of nuclear warfare. Up until the last 50 years, this next scripture didn't seem to fit, but now with the birth of nuclear warfare, we understand the passage of Zechariah 14 and 12. Can you pull that up? Listen to this. And this shall be a plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. And their eyes shall consume away in their holes. And their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. Watch. This is a perfect picture of a nuclear explosion. 
The H-bomb is known to produce a heat of 150 million degrees Fahrenheit in one millionth of a second. It is the only amount of energy that scientists say that if a human body was to be hit by it, their flesh would be evaporated from their bones before their bones hit the ground. Go back and read Zechariah 14. This shall be a plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. Their eyes shall be melted out of their sockets. Their mouth, their tongue shall be melted before their bones hit the ground. It is a picture perfect of a nuclear explosion. How do you know that the end is near? Because the technology has now been developed to the point to where this kind of prophecy can absolutely happen. Stand with me all over the house. I'm done. I want you to come back over the next couple of weeks. I really do. Because we have to indulge in this. And listen to me. I know some of you sitting here, you say, man, this is tough. But listen to me. You cannot go through your life with your head in the sand. The church has to wake up. She has to come to terms with the time and the season that we're living in. Why? Because the Bible tells me that in the last days, he will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will have visions. Your old men will dream dreams. What am I telling you? Yeah, the world may be going to hell in a handbasket, but God is going to raise up a church that it says will be great and awesome. It's going to be great and awesome. I understand that, you know, there's, there's this agenda that looks like it's straight from the pits of hell in our day, and our hour. There's no question about that. Do you know that the Bible says that in the last days that men will seek out teachers to tickle their ears? Let me tell you something. I know your ears weren't tickled. And some of you, you want to leave. Some of you did leave. Some of you are like, I can't take this. I don't want to talk. It's because in your flesh, you've appeased your flesh. And this truth that's cutting, it's like a sword that's laying hold to the hardness of people's hearts. And God saying wake up the Bible says that in the last days men will seek out teachers for themselves that will tickle their ears listen your ears weren't tickled today but I guarantee you one thing your hearts were pricked listen to me I'm never going to be a preacher that tells you what you want to hear but I will be a preacher that tells you what you need to hear I don't want to be the guy that when it all hits the fan, I don't want to look at a church and they'd be like, man, you had one of the fastest growing ministries in Darlington. You're incredible, but we're all headed to hell. Because you didn't tell us truth. You didn't, you didn't reveal the word to us. You, you told us we could live our lives any kind of way. You said, you said that we were okay. You, you told me that I was good. You said you were fine with, with the sin that I was living in. You didn't prepare us. read a story recently on Facebook about a preacher that said he preached on hell and a man came up to him after the service and he said you know what's scarier than hell he said I don't know much that's scarier than hell he said there's one thing that I can think of that's scarier than hell he says it's when you're falling in that bottomless pit only to have your child fall past you and look at you and say why didn't you tell me Dominion Church you know what's scarier than hell to be a man that stands behind this sacred desk, to stand behind this pulpit, and for you all to clap and say amen, but me not to lead you in the truth. And that what good would it be for me to run my race and only find out I myself am disqualified? I wear that conviction when I stand on this 
this, this altar. It's not a platform. I wear that conviction when I stand on this altar and I minister the word of God because I understand that there are eternities that are at stake. I understand that there are real people under the sound of my real voice that are going through real life situations. And I understand for some of you, life is hard. And I understand that there's difficulties that were presented to you. I understand there's people right now in the sound of my voice, you're walking through divorce, you're walking through addiction, you're walking through betrayal, you're fighting all you can, you feel like you're on the bottom. I know who I'm talking to, but let me tell you something. This Jesus, this Jesus, he is hope to the hopeless, he is healing to the hurting, he is life to the lifeless, he is the way, the truth, and the life. There's nobody like him. And my job as a minister of the gospel is not to tell you what you want to hear. My, minister, uh, my job as a minister of the gospel is to tell you what you need to hear. Every other area of our life, we live with the end in mind. Why don't we live our eternity with the end in mind? Why don't we walk our Christian walk with the end in mind? Why is it we play football games to win, but we don't live for Christ to win? Come on, why is it that we, we build dreams and build homes and build vacations and build everything with the end in mind, but nobody is saying, what am I doing about my eternity? Matthew 24, 36 and 39, I'm closing. says, but of that day and hour, no man knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, but as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, and until that day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Let me tell you something. I can't tell you when that day will be. But I can tell you, but I can tell you what today is. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. says, For he says, In the acceptable time I have heard you. And in the day of salvation I have helped you. And behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I can't tell you when that day will be. But I can tell you what today is. I can tell you what today is. I can tell you that today you still have breath in your body. I can tell you that you walked in this place today. I can tell you you worshiped God with all of your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. I can tell you that you felt his presence. I can tell you that, that today his spirit hovered in this place. I can tell you you were seated and the word of God was read and you were charged as a believer of Christ to go home and study the scriptures, to be a Berean, to rightly divide the truth, that a workman need not be ashamed. I can tell you that today was a day that you were exhorted in the ways of the Lord. I can tell you that today you heard the message message of God, what the Spirit is speaking to the church, but now today what it looks like for the rest of it it's up to you whatever you decide to do with it but the Bible tells me that today is the day of salvation watch this, the Bible said that in the end times, just like it was with Noah, so shall it be here's the amazing part, the earth is being destroyed but Noah and his family are in an ark and they are elevated above the circumstances while everyone else is destroyed they are kept safe watch this the ark is a prophetic picture of Jesus Christ and his church 
Matter of fact, he said it this way. He said, I am the door in which the sheep must pass through. Watch this. The ark consisted of three levels. The bottom level, the middle level, and the upper level. The bottom level was the foundational level. The second level is where the door was. The third level is where the window was in which Noah stood and released the, uh, released the dove out of the ark. Watch this. The Father is the foundation level. Jesus is the middle level. I'm the door in which the sheep must pass through. The window in which the dove was released out of. Matthew chapter 3. And I saw a dove descend from heaven and it lighted upon him as the Holy Spirit. And what you need to understand is this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he said, if you'll get in me, You'll come into me. No matter what happens, no matter what the end of the age looks like, if you get inside of me, I will elevate you above the destruction. I will alleviate you from the pressure that's coming. I can't tell you when that day will be, but I can tell you what today is. Today is the day of salvation. Every